Howdy team, welcome back to another episode of the My Peak Podcast, Brown Dog. How are you mate? Cameron, g'day everyone out there listening to the My Peak Pod today, we hope you're all having a wonderful day. Cameron and I are sitting here at Howl Oval up in the clubhouse, we've prepared an excellent uh, episode for everyone today to get ready for round one. We have seven tools to have you ready and prepared for when you walk past that white line come round one well it's an exciting time of the year brownie we're on the countdown we've played our last trial game and round one is upcoming this weekend so it's a very exciting time to run through this because well hopefully these are things that you've either done or you need to do before this weekend's game to ensure you are also prepared for round one yeah what we want to try and steer away from here is the skills element um, we'll leave that up to you guys to decipher exactly how you go with your own skills and the amount of balls you want to hit or balls you want to bowl or catch or your physical um, training for the weeks um, leading up to your game. So we're going to go more into the, um, I suppose, mental and emotional side today and, and sort of help you guys get a bit more of an understanding on how to get the brain ready for, for round one. I reckon a lot of people would classify these as like one percenters. But our aim is to try and convince you that they're actually bigger than that and they play a more important role in your performance come round one and then obviously that can continues through for the for the season. I'm just looking at our list here, Weary, and it's almost like we could do an episode on how to do each one of these properly, which I think really brings your it's bigger than a one percenter into play because when I look at some of these things that we're gonna to mention today we could talk about multiple strategies around how to do those really well. Absolutely. So yeah, it's an exciting episode and um, I think we should make sure we get some more resources out to the crew and maybe go a little bit deeper and do some deep dives into some of these topics a bit later on. Yep, but let's get into it for today. So our first one is going to be about goal setting, making sure that your goals have been set prior to walking onto the field for round one. Yeah, and, and this is certainly based off your season goals too, not just your goals for round one. We want you guys to have a clear um, path around what you want to do this year and what you want to achieve. And like we were saying before, goals is a whole topic in itself. You know, We've done a few deep dives on goals the last couple of weeks with some of our holistic programs in the school system. So this is definitely a topic where you don't want to take it lightly and there's a lot of uh, strategies and tips and tricks to make sure your goal setting is of a high standard but making sure you've got clarity as you walk on the field to know exactly where you want this season to take you and, and how you're going to get there and what your markers are for the season and can you reassess and replan these goals are they set in stone um, but I think uh, if you can take anything away from goal setting it's the clarity of what you want to achieve and, and knowing probably the workload you're going to have to put in to achieve those goals. Well, you spoke about making sure like your season goals are set in path. I think those season goals are actually going to give you clarity for your round one game. And if you've got your season goals nutted out, whether they're outcome goals or process goals, they can still be season goals either or. But they're going to give you a lot of clarity walking onto the field for your first game in the your purpose or your direction for what you want to achieve on that particular day and every other day, whether that's game day or training to ensure you're moving, ticking off your short-term goals, which are going to lead you closer to your end goal. Like I said, that could be an outcome goal. could be a certain amount of runs or wickets or wins, or it could be a process goal. It could be something to do with your routine or your 
technique or something hydration or whatnot could be a process goal as well i think just on the topic and i know we'll probably take a deep dive into this but i want to speak about something you and i were talking about the other day and it was you were having a read through my goals and we were talking about the difference between the outcome and the process goal and i don't want to say one is better than the other but what i do want to just point out from my point of view is i like a balance between the two I like to see an outcome goal as um, something I can visualize myself achieving, something that I can strive towards. And even if I fall short, I've set it at such a high standard that falling short's probably, you know, just short's probably not a bad thing. I think the big thing, if you're, if you're big on numbers and you're big on targets, that you make sure you can sort of detach from the goal a little bit and reassess and replan if things out of your control don't go your way. And I think that's something that you've helped me understand a bit better. And that's probably something I just want to pass on to the crew. Mm, that's good advice. It's often, I like process goals better because you can control them regardless of what's happening in the game or before a game, after a game, during a game, you can still hit your goals every single game. And then if you don't, you've got clear direction on what you could have done better. And next time, hopefully you can implement those things regardless of circumstances or scenarios or who you're playing, where you're playing or what game you are playing because they're processes that you can control yourself and they're things that you have identified mm. that you want to try and get better at. I like that. Yeah, we're a little bit different. I, I really enjoy the balance between the two. And With that being said, I still set outcome goals. I just... Like heavily focused towards process goals, especially when I'm working with younger athletes. I like it. Well, let's move on to number two. And our second one is knowing your values. Mm. Now, we were having a great conversation on the way into uh, Jordan Springs this morning around the values you've set for your rep team. Mm. Now, I think this can go one of two ways. And you can obviously have your values as a team that you all want to sort of be are held accountable too, but I think it's really important that you have your own values, um, especially when things, well, actually both, when things go really well for you and also when things don't go so well for you and, and sort of the way you conduct yourself. I think the first thing I think about is, is the way that I act regardless of the result. So something that I really like to put on myself is my identity isn't, it does, uh, has nothing to do with my performance. So I think I can always conduct myself in the same manner regardless of performance. And that's one of my main values is to act the same way, successful or not successful. Yeah, I like that. And it's going to give you your direction too. You're going to come across a pathway or a circumstance, a scenario in a game, before a game in preparation where you need to make a decision, whether that's maybe the night before a game Mm. on what you might want to do before you go to bed or whatnot or might be in the morning when you wake up and your values are going to play a big role in that decision or it could be out in the middle walking out to the middle could be your hydration come game day if your values you're aware of your values and you you're like you like to say brandy your moral compass can come into play and knowing your values and having understanding will help you make the decision that you identify as being important to you yeah, I love that. The example I think of straight away is when we start thinking about, well, what do I value? And for those that know me, I value my health very highly, but how, do, how, how is that going to essentially affect my, my Saturday cricket or Sunday cricket? And I think, well, it starts the night before, like you said. Am I going to get a good night's sleep? Am I going to have the right meals and hydration? Am I going to make sure I've had the correct preparation during the week physically? And then I think of my other values, which is very much based on like teamwork and friends and family. 
And well, if I don't do those things, am I giving myself the best opportunity to perform for my teammates? I used to actually get really frustrated sometimes when we would rock up to a game and a couple of blokes would be boasting about the big night they had before, a couple of beers or you know, a night out in the clubs or whatever. And I used to think, well, how much do you care about this team's success? And I understand that people have different values and some people value fun and times with friends on, on the weekend. But I think making sure you understand, you know, what you do value is not just going to affect you. It is going to affect that whole team scenario. Yeah. And then going on from that, values can give you answers as well. If you reassess your values at the end of the day, at the end of the game, it can often give you a solution to where things might have gone wrong or validate where things did go right. And you can start to put those things, whether you have to work on something to be better or provide a bit more clarity on to continue to do in the future so like our rep team yesterday we went through our values one of them is respect and straight away things that happened throughout the game the players were able to bring it up themselves and identify moments in the game a lot of these things were actually off the field where they could have been better and they were able to identify that because they could refer back to their values and understand okay next time we're in this situation we might do this instead of that. Yeah, I think the takeaway from this is to make sure if you haven't done already to, to write down some of your core values. Maybe I, I like the number five sits well with me. If you have to go a few more, you can, you can definitely go a few more, but I wouldn't go any less. And then see how these are gonna relate to your preparation um, and see um, it's a really good way to actually um, uh, tick or cross sort of at the end of the day your goals, you know, this comes back to the process, you know, were you living by your values whilst playing the game? And, and sometimes performance may have not gone your way, but staying true to your values can sometimes be a good marker on how you conduct yourself during the day and, and the week of preparation as well. Awesome. All right, let's move on to our next one. Our third tool to lead up to round one is understanding your role in the team understanding your role as an individual player in a team environment which cricket is is such a crucial element to your well basically your success within the team i think the first thing to say here is if you're a younger cricketer or a new cricketer into a side even if you are a bit of a veteran cricketer and there's been some movement in the team have a chat with you know your coach your captain um people love to answer questions especially people who know are in a bit of an, a role of um, authority, go and have a chat with them and say, look, what do you see me doing for this side? What exactly do you see me fitting into? What kind of role do you want me to, to try and play? And, and sometimes you might get um, an answer that maybe you weren't expecting or maybe you're getting one that you were expecting and that's just like a validation of confidence. You're like, oh, perfect, I know how to do that. It takes out the guesswork and it also allows you to go and express yourself in that manner when you go out onto the field. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it allows you, every player's got strengths and weaknesses. And if you can understand your role in the team, that's going to encourage you to apply your strengths to that team a lot better. And it's not always going to work perfectly. You might have to have plan A, plan B and so on. But if you know your role within the team, you can start to work. We always talk about partnerships, whether it's batting or bowling or even fielding. We always talk about partnerships and knowing your role in a partnership at any given time is going to give you direction. It's going to give you clarity to try and execute your skills to the best of your ability. And the kicker here is, if you can, 
know your other teammates role as well mm, very good one if you can understand what your teammates are trying to achieve and what role they are playing it allows you to be more expressive in your role but also not to step on their toes with their role necessarily it's a clearer line of communication it's all the cogs working together to hopefully bring out that perfect or that successful performance yeah well you're filling gaps with strengths if you know other people's strengths you might not have to do something within that given partnership because you can allow your partner to do it because that's one of their strengths. Like if you're, if you're batting and you're facing a certain bowler and that bowler is someone you don't feel comfortable facing against, whether it's a really fast bowler, it might be a spinner or a, or a really slow bowler, you don't like facing that. If you know your role within the partnership, perhaps your partner might like to face that bowler and you getting a single and getting them on strike is actually applying a strength within the team because that's your partner's strength. Brilliant, I love that. I always think of the role as, as someone who maybe finds the boundary a bit easier than someone else. That other person down the end's role might be to anchor the, to anchor the innings or to bat as long as possible. That means that you're able to rotate the strike and still tick it over with someone scoring boundaries down the other end. So I think it's just, as soon as you know your role, go and have a chat with your teammates, maybe the people uh, that you're likely to bat with, the people that you're likely to bowl with in partnership, the people that you feel closely with or in a similar position with. It's a really good way to know your teammates on a deeper level and, and work together on what you're trying to achieve. Well, that leads us nicely into our next one. Once you know your role within the team, you can start to develop your game plan for the weekend. And we're talking about leading into round one, so not every week's going to be the same. We want to try and keep our processes very similar. However, different conditions, different opposition, different environments, different fixtures you're gonna slightly, uh, or it could be a different role in the team as well. You might be changing your role in the team. So your game plan is gonna slightly alter, but having an understanding of your game plan, what you actually wanna do when you get to the middle is it's one of the biggest factors in determining the likelihood of you scoring runs or taking wickets. You definitely don't wanna have your game plan in concrete sort of before you've got there on the day and, and found yourself out in the middle. You wanna have sort of a couple of ideas around where you're going to go, some flexibility. The way I like to think of it is if you can sort of think ahead of time, maybe you've played at the ground before, maybe you've played the players you're going to play before, maybe you likely know the conditions of the wicket, maybe you likely know the conditions of uh, the actual uh, dimensions of the field, whatever it might be, these are going to help you set up some sort of plan and then from there you can show your flexibility and, and be able to problem solve on the bounce out in the middle. But having a small blueprint is like your foundation to be able to set up, okay, I'm gonna go down this path today. Okay, this bowler's on with this field, with this dimension of the oval, I'm gonna go with this plan today. Having a couple of plans up your sleeve, but having a foundation that those sit on, I think is a really good way to go about setting your game plans. Yeah, I like that. And often during cricket, it's all risk versus reward. And it's often the teams that make the right decisions that have less risk and more reward that come out on top in the long term. So your game plan leading into that round one game or any game, you're identifying all these different factors and how that's going to play a role in risk versus reward. And that can give you a good guidance on what your game plan is going to be. So if it's really long boundary straight and really short boundary square, your game plan might alter compared to really short boundary straight and really long boundary square whether that's batting or bowling so you're just identifying these little things that are going to influence your game plan and your decision and your 
decision in the moment, the quicker you can make a decision, the more likely you are to respond to that moment and make the right right decision for the right outcome. I think the takeaway here is to try and have the foresight. If you can have the foresight to set the foundation, that's brilliant. It also puts you in that situation prior to being there physically. You've already been there mentally, so it's a familiar area or something that you have anticipated to happen. I think anticipation is the word here. Until you're there and in the moment, you're not exactly sure on, on where you're going to go, but anticipating what situa- situations you will find yourself in will give you a really good blueprint. I reckon the best players in the world what are the ones that do this the best. I think that's... Steve Smith does a lot of things really well, but I think this is what separates him from his competition or his rivals. He can find a situation in a game and he can just be able to, like you said earlier, problem solved and react to what's going on and make the right decision quickly. And as a result, he's the one scoring hundreds more consistently than anyone else or influencing the outcome of the game more than anyone else as well. All right, number five of our seven, we have routine. Now this, I think of a few different things when I think about routine, but hopefully this is something you've been practicing in your preparation during the off season, talking to your coach about. Routine comes not just on the day, not just when you bowl, not just when you bat, but leading up to the games. There's plenty of things that hopefully you have had some trial and error with. Hopefully you've had some trial matches where you've been able to implement maybe some of the routines you've come up with. I know with a lot of the athletes we've been working on, we've been working on our breathing techniques in between balls. Um, You're also going to be thinking about how you might want to prepare Friday, Saturday, and then obviously your in-game routine. So the big word I think about here is just trust. Mm. I think your routines are there for a reason. Your routines are there because you trust that this is the process that's going to give you the best chance of success. And I think the big thing to point out here, just because you tick a lot of these things off doesn't mean you're going to be successful. It just means you're going to be successful more times than not, hopefully. In the long run. Totally right. So I think one of the big things that I hear a lot from from athletes as feedback is, oh, I did my routine, it just didn't work for me. Uh, What should I do to change it? And it's not necessarily something you need to change. It's just something that you need to tinker with to get a little bit more, I suppose, consistent with what you want to achieve or what you're trying to do you might be a really anxious person when you play so how is your routine going to help calm you you Mm. might be someone who's too calm who needs to get in the fight a little bit more how are you going to be able to use your routine to do that so i think it's important that we use our routine to find what emotional state we need to be in as we walk out onto the field yeah mindset is the word that you make me think of there and at this time of the year you want to be practicing your routine whether that's a training probably the best time or in between training sessions if you've got a jam-packed training session coming up you might not have time to do it you might get there earlier or do it after training or just pop down to the field on a afternoon but you want to try and practice your routine enough that it becomes second nature if you have to think about your routine then it's not going to have the desired outcome that we want it to have the idea of our routine this is for like in-game routines is for you, your brain, to be able to switch off and on without you thinking about it. And if you're thinking about your routine all the time, then that's going to influence your mindset because you're not switching on and switching off the way that you're planning to do with your routine. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have a question for you here, Jugs. So the year you guys were really successful here and, and won the first grade competition, when did your routine for Saturday begin? Individual. 
Oh, I couldn't answer that. I don't know. When did you start thinking about what you had to do to be ready for Saturday? Well, it would have been at training. We would have... I couldn't... It's been four or five years now. So I couldn't reflect on it comprehensively. But we were known that year. We didn't lose a game at Howe. We didn't lose a game at home all season. We we actually only won one game away from Howe Logal that season. And that was the grand final. Mm. So... We were very good at home. Teams didn't understand the conditions as well as us when they turned up here. But, yeah. I just think back to when we did quite well in some areas of of different competitions. And a lot of the time we'd sit in the dressing rooms, whether it be a Sunday or a Saturday, depending on when we last played on the weekend. And our coach would always reassure us that our preparation for Saturday started on Monday. Mm. So whether you scored zero or 100 you're back on zero come Monday. So your yeah. preparation begins begins then, whether it means we were in the gym Monday morning or you know, whether we were hitting balls Monday afternoon or recovering on Monday. I just remember the times that we did the best was when our coach reassured us that now that the weekend's over, you've had your time to celebrate your win or, or reflect on your loss, and now your preparation for next week begins that Monday. Yeah, I like it. Very good. All right, we're up to number six. Strengths. Strengths, practicing your strengths. I love this one because this is one that I really enjoy doing. I love feeling confident walking out to the middle and sometimes it's important to practice what you're good at so you get that mindset, Mm. so that you're walking out knowing you're hitting the ball well or knowing you're bowling the ball well, that your rhythm's there, that your run-up's nice or your, your rhythm is good with your footwork, whatever it may be. I love using Thursdays as a let's make myself feel good day. Yeah, gives you that confidence, doesn't it? It's a really good one that you introduced me to not too long ago because you spend a lot of your pre-season practicing the things that you want to get better at. And often during that process, you're making a lot of mistakes. And that's good because you're trying to get better at it. But as we lead up to round one coming up this weekend, it's a good time just to go back. Hopefully you've done a bit of it already as well. But just to go back and really practice your strengths, what you're good at, whether that's in an individual skill or whether that's an element of a skill, gives yourself the confidence. So when you're walking out for round one, you're thinking about all the things that you've done well, rather than still perhaps reflecting on things that you need to do out there in order to be a better batter or a better bowler or a better fielder. Confidence is obviously a huge factor in your performance. So just little things that can increase your confidence is going to go a long way to increasing your performance. That could just be a set of underarm drills with, yeah. your, with your favourite shot or a set Ball of shots. bowling machine balls with your favourite. It could just be you know having someone throw some half volleys at you or whatever your strength is, you can minimise it to be very simple because walking out of that net session, it's very unlikely that you're going to be like, geez, I, I didn't bowl that well or geez, I didn't bat that well because they're the things that you know that you've done well for a long period of time. And, and like Cam was saying, you know, use that off-season to practice your weaknesses and, and before long those weaknesses can turn into strengths, which means that your options for working on your strengths before game day start to, va- start to vary. You've got a few different things you can start to practice. So that's why your off-season is so important because you're beginning to... to turn things into more strengths which gives you more options to practice those strengths for confidence it's going to help like we spoke about earlier in game plan you want to be taking higher reward with low risk options in a game often than not that's going to be your strengths so when you're practicing your strengths in those training sessions 
subconsciously you're actually practicing your game plan as well. If you think about how you score your runs or how you take your wickets, they're often your best deliveries or best shots. So while you're practicing your strengths in the nets, or it doesn't have to be in the nets, you're also going about how you're going to score runs or take wickets on the weekend. That's excellent. Well done. All right, our last one for seven tools to be prepared for round one is mental rehearsal. Yeah, I love it. Really good one. So this one is a little bit of an umbrella because there's a few things that come under this topic. But the number one thing I like to do, and this comes a little bit into game plan, what I was talking about before, was some visualisation. Yeah. Now, visualisation allows us to become familiar with an environment before we step into it. And that could be visualising exactly what you want to achieve or visualising something that you know is going to happen. So at some stage you are going to bowl, at some stage you are going to bat, and this is what the conditions are going to be like. You know, you, you can get things pretty close. And, you know, if you're someone who wants to tinker with that or already enjoys doing that, I would recommend trying to introduce your five senses into those visualisation sessions. You know, what can you see? What can you smell? What can you taste? What can you touch? What can you hear? And often just thinking about those things and, and letting it roll through your head allows you to build a little bit of confidence and familiarity into that circumstance. We all know that the unknown is something that worries us and you know can sometimes get the better of us, but if we've been there, done that, whether it's physically or mentally, it just allows us to be a little bit more, I suppose, present and relaxed in the moment that we know we're going to face at some stage. Brilliant. It's the, we spoke about how important routine is. That's like the physical element. And this mental rehearsal is like the mental element, trying to put yourself in the position that you're, you are going to face or maybe you're really likely to face come round one. So when you do sit there waiting to bat or you are walking out to bat or you're standing at the top of your mark, you feel familiar with that moment and you don't have to think about the ifs and buts or what ifs or if I did do this, if I did do that, because you've already done it. You can trust your skills put everything else at ease and go out and execute to the best of your ability. The other thing that I think is really important with mental rehearsal is to rehearse the moments that you want to achieve too. There's nothing worse than getting into a circumstance where, for example, we all want to take Fifer and we all want to take score 100. Be nothing worse than getting into the 85s or the 90s or you know you get three or four wickets and then not knowing how to close out or not knowing how to then go about getting it to that big milestone where if you've mentally played those things out in your head, when you get into that circumstance, it's not that panic mode, oh my goodness, I'm so close to this milestone. It's, okay, I've been here mentally. I now know that I need to do X, Y, and Z. And that's back to my processes, back to my breath work, back to my routine. I want to be present. Well, how do I be present? Well, what can I see? What can I feel? What can I touch in this moment that gets me back in into the present moment? That's going to help you be able to put your mind at ease and, and tick off those big milestones. Mm, I like how you bring it back to process as well because it will also help when things aren't going well. If you do walk out, or say you're a bowler, might be an easier example, you bowl three terrible balls, your first three balls of the season, you've been thinking about these three balls for months and months and months, you train for months to make sure these are right and then all of a sudden you bowl three shockers. Your mental rehearsal can be a skill that you go to in that moment to make sure you're still present and you're doing the same things to try and get the same outcome. Often in those moments, you can start to change things and go to plan B, C, D, E, and F. 
if you just bring yourself back to the moment, what you've worked on for the last six months to be in that moment, if you're doing your mental rehearsal, you're going to put yourself in a much better mindset for that next sport. And that's all that matters in that moment is that next delivery, controlling what you can control and trying to execute the skill to the best of your ability. Awesome. Well, legends, that brings us to the end of our seven tools for round one. And, and obviously, this doesn't have to just be used for round one. This is going to have you ready to rock and roll, hopefully all season. Uh, if this is something you want uh, to know a little bit more in depth about or you have any questions, please reach out to the team and be happy to answer some questions uh, make sure if you guys want to keep up with all the uh, podcast episode or what's happening in the my peak world to go and follow us on instagram uh, and if you have any awesome reviews for us we'd love to hear them as well yes good luck to everyone for round one trust yourselves make sure you nail the seven tools we're giving you today give yourself the best chance at success for round one which is going to set up what should be a very successful season for you individually and as a team. We'll see you next time, crew, on the My Peak podcast.